Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Second Take, where every play deserves a second look. Today, we're going to be going over some exciting action that happened in the NFL playoff divisional round, following by or following up with our championship game predictions in the AFC and the NFC, very similar to our episode last week. But tune in if you want to hear what we have to say about this. And we're going to hop right into the game recaps from this weekend. Uh, the first game we're going to hop into, Roland, is the Texans losing to the Ravens by a score of 34-10. to 10. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Well, this was really the only game that wasn't competitive in nature. The first half, the Texans were able to keep it kind of tightly contested. Um, but right out the gates at halftime, Baltimore blew it open, and they never really looked back. Uh, this is the first, well, this wasn't the first time this season, but one of very few games this season in which C.J. Stroud has kind of looked human. Came back down to earth. He only had 175 yards passing, 19 for 33. Didn't really do much at the end of the day, and it's because Baltimore has the best defense in football. Um, they really gave him a bunch of different looks, confused him, pressured him. And at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson was the talk of the town. You know, he was 16 for 22 for only 152 yards through the air. He had two scores throwing and then 11 carries, 100 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Uh, really looking like the Lamar Jackson of the regular season out there, right? Lamar kind of has this reputation of underperforming in the playoffs, or at least Baltimore does. My main question to you out of this game is, is this the postseason in which Lamar finally changes his playoff reputation? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I was thinking this before, like going in in our initial predictions. I mean, I picked Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. I think this is Lamar's year. I mean, he was in danger of falling to, I think, the worst winning percentage and like the amount of games he played by a starting QB in the playoffs, like in NFL history, if he went and lost to the Texans. But he One didn't. and four. He showed up. Into this. Yeah. Yeah, he showed up and he won. I mean, he really carried this team. He had four touchdowns. I mean, he was their offense. They had 30 four points so he accounted for 28 of those points i mean obviously he got help this is the most talented roster he's had around himself the defense and the offense but i mean just look at his running attempts he looked like he was more willing to take off and run than he was in the regular season he really put him put it on himself that he's like i need to go out here and make plays for my team to win this game and he did that even though the passing yardage wasn't wasn't crazy um but yeah, I mean, I was just really impressed with Baltimore in this game. And it's kind of the Baltimore we've got used to. That's the second half of that regular season. You know, everyone gets so caught up on Lamar Jackson's passing, right? I know that he doesn't throw like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or even CJ Stroud. You know what I mean? He's not that level of passer. That doesn't mean he can't pass. However, I like to use the analogy of Stephen Curry, right? If you are so good at something like Lamar Jackson is with his feet on the ground, with his speed, his running ability, his way to maneuver down the field, why wouldn't you run it more often? You know, people get mad at Lamar for running and not being more of a passer. That's what he's good at. It's like telling Steph Curry to only shoot three three-pointers a game. It doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? You're and telling instead telling Steph Curry to drive to the basket. Now Steph can finish at the basket, but that's not what makes him special. What makes Lamar special is his running ability. And the more as time goes on, the more he needs to prove that this playstyle can win a Super Bowl. That's something we have yet to see, and that's why people kind of critique it. But man, is he special. He he definitely is. I mean, he's one of the most talented players in the NFL, I think. And it's kind of funny because not that many people are telling Josh Allen to stop running the ball, right? Like, 
even though he's good at it. Maybe it's because, you know, Josh Allen is looked at as a better passer, but Lamar doesn't turn over the ball as much as Josh Allen, right? I mean, that's the thing with Lamar is he doesn't, he rarely makes big mistakes. And when he's out there, I mean, I know he doesn't get the, the huge passing like attempts, the deep shots, but I also think it's partially their offense and just the volume. Because, I mean, if you look at this game against the Texans, the Ravens just ran over over the Texans and they controlled the time of possession. And they didn't really have that many passing attempts. It was like somewhere between 22 and 25, something like that. So they only really passed when they needed to. Maybe a lot of short passes to their guys to let them make plays. But that's kind of what this offense feels like is you just get the ball to people who make plays and they make plays. They're not asking Lamar to throw the ball 50 yards down the field. Right they're but they're getting it to their guys like flowers in shorter situations to take off and go. Another team I do want to talk about in this game, even though they did lose, is the Houston Texans. I think the Texans have a bright future with Stroud. D'Amico Ryans is the head coach. Nico Collins, Will Anderson on defense. D'Amico Ryans is my personal coach of the year favorite right now. I think Probably this team exceeded. Yeah, I think this team exceeded expectations more than any other team this year. And it's his first year coaching, being the head coach of this football team. Um, so I I really would give it to him personally. I mean, coming into the year, we didn't think he had the most talented roster. But he made it work. And obviously, now at the end of the year, we understand he has more pieces than we thought the Texans did before. But, you know, shout out to the rest of the roster, how he was able to use them and get them, get them to come together play well, make it to the second round of the playoffs, a team we thought would probably have a top five pick again because they looked so bad last year. Yeah, I mean, granted, they had a little bit more pieces than we expected coming in. However, you need someone to make the pieces work, the puzzle fit, right? And that's why he probably deserves coach of the year. Uh, He was able to coach up a young quarterback to lead a team to a division win right they won the division that makes no sense again jacksonville complete collapse but whatever uh and then the fact that they actually won a playoff game for the first time in i don't know has it been eight ten years since they've yeah, won it's a playoff been a while game? been a while they've been a poverty franchise for a while uh and honestly he does deserve coach of the year especially after making it this far in the playoffs winning the division and just making those puzzle those pieces fit in your opinion though in order to take that next step what does houston need roster wise in order to become a true contender in the afc yes so for this team the number one step and probably the most important thing is to just keep developing the young talent they do have on the roster make sure that those guys keep getting better Right. Don't just go replace them for the big names um, right away just because they're all so young. But I also think uh, this team could do maybe a little more in the run game, whether that's adding a more dynamic running back. I mean, the running backs are decent. They're not bad. Or, you know, maybe upgrading the offensive line a little bit. And then always, as always, you know, just adding more to the defense, um, especially the secondary that's some good linebackers and interior uh, linemen on the defensive end. I like Derek Stingley Jr. as a long-term corner for them. He really stepped up this year, uh, second-year guy who was picked ahead of Sauce Gardner in that draft. But just to add more depth there in that position, I think you know adding more to that running game, adding a couple more pieces to the secondary, develop their young players, and they're well on their way to becoming a contender. I agree. There are plenty of not necessarily holes, but places in which they can improve. I think they need a dynamic player in the, in the backfield. This offense was way too pass heavy in order for them to truly make it anywhere. You need some sort of balance. Um, and I think that should be priority number one on their draft board heading into their, this upcoming draft. I mean, it's, you know, four, three, four months away, but you know what I mean? So I think that's priority number one for them. Get a playmaker in the backfield to help alleviate some of the pressure on CJ Stroud in terms of his usage or his need to constantly make big plays to stay in games. Yep. Yep. I can't not disagree with that. I mean, I think that helps that helped them a lot because like I said, in this Ravens game, that's probably was their biggest issue because Stroud didn't turn over the ball and 
they are a pass-heavy team, so I think the Ravens were able to just take that away, and they could not run the ball to save their lives. They also didn't really try that much either, which shows that they weren't super confident in their run game, and when they did try, they still couldn't run. So that's definitely something I think could boost their team going forward, for sure. Okay, moving on to the other game that happened this weekend. The Packers and Niners was a super competitive, close game that came down to the very end. What are you thinking about this game? You know, I said last week that it would be closer than it should be in a lot of people's eyes. And it ended up being that Green Bay honestly looked like the better team up until the fourth quarter of the game. Right. Green Bay was able to control the game. Uh, They got up. Uh, They were up seven, and honestly, they just looked like the better team. However, Green Bay's field goal kicker, the professional ping-pong players, Anders Carlson, missed kind of a gimme 40-yarder, right? And, you know, that would have put them up seven and probably would have sent this game into overtime. Now, I'm not saying Green Bay would have won in overtime, but they wouldn't have lost in regulation, right? Uh, That set up the drive in which Christian McCaffrey got his second score of the day. Purdy struggled. 23 of 39, 252, uh, and one touchdown. Just kind of looked a little disoriented. I will give him the fact that San Francisco did have four dropped passes in this game. George Kittle had a big one late in the game. That was kind of uncharacteristic of him. Didn't really matter. They ended up winning. Jordan Love struggled as well. Uh, maybe the weather, it was raining or slushing. It was kind of rain-snow mix during the whole game. Two touchdowns, two, uh, I don't know what he was doing on the last drive of the game where he was throwing it across the field. Just throw that out of bounds, right? Keep the play alive. Keep the, your season alive instead of throwing that basically to the other team. But the real star of the show, as we kind of predicted, would have been Christian McCaffrey. 17 carries, 98 yards. Two touchdowns on the ground, seven receptions, 30 yards, just an all-around workhorse. He's doing what he's doing, and as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be the catalyst of that offense. Yeah, I mean, and speaking on that Jordan Love game, I mean, well, a couple things here real quick, right? You mentioned the missed field goal and the turnover. That really those two things combined, the Packers kind of, they just couldn't do it at the end of the fourth quarter. It was a tight game, and honestly, Green Bay was overall very impressive for the first three quarters of that game. They really looked good. And, you know, Green Bay has a great group with a chance to grow, kind of like Houston, um, especially on offense, just probably needing to upgrade that defense going forward and let the offense develop. But, you know, I think that that last turnover by Jordan Love was just showing his youth and his inexperience as a starter, right? His first start, uh, starting season, his second playoff game. You know, he's, you know, showed up. He was trying to make a play, trying to make something happen when he should have just tried to throw it away, live another day, live another play, you know, not try to do everything himself. uh, But I think he'll learn from it. You know, Green Bay wasn't supposed to win this game anyways. It was their first experience here. So when it comes down to it, a very successful season for the Packers. Um, But the Niners, you know, that that was kind of was a little a little scary for them up until the end. It was because it Definitely. took it took some mistakes from Green Bay for San Francisco to win it. It did not a lot of mistakes were made ex- except for the drop passes on part of San Francisco. As far as turnovers are concerned, uh, they just couldn't really get things going like we're used to seeing them. Right, the only drive of the game in which I felt like San Francisco looked like San Francisco has looked was the last drive of the game where they drove down. I kind of was like, all right, it's over. San Francisco's going to score here, and they're going to win the game. And that's what they did. But for the rest of the game, honestly, there were a lot of just little things that seemed off. And it kind of got me to question whether or not taking three weeks off was the smartest move, right? They basically sat everybody against L.A. because they locked up the first seed. Then they had the bye, and then they're coming into this week refreshed. But I honestly think that it's a double-edged sword, right? Baltimore comes out 
smacks Houston. San Francisco comes out and looks rusty. So I hopefully, since I'm since I picked San Francisco from the beginning of the year, hopefully they don't come out like that next week against Detroit. Because if they do, they'll probably get got. Yeah, and I do think the rain, as you mentioned, had some something to do with this game. Both QBs didn't look their best, and there is that play where mid-play Brock Purdy takes his right hand off the ball, wipes off his hand on his pants, grabs the ball again, and then throws it just because it looked like the rain was getting to him a little bit. But, you know, that probably had a little something to do with the QB struggles on both sides. Um but, you know, Brock Purdy showed up when it mattered at the very end. Uh, the clock management by San Francisco to end that drive was really impressive as well. I thought they did a good job making sure Green Bay had to be really desperate. Almost no time left in that game um, for them to be able to go and win it. But um, nonetheless, a tough game coming up for the Niners against Detroit, a team that's tough and hungry, never been there going up against a team that's kind of in this position every year. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup to watch. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Green Bay, man. <clears throat> Youngest team in NFL history to make the playoffs. They won a playoff game, and they honestly had a chance to win this one. Uh, but sometimes that's just how the cards lay, you know? Mm -hmm. So, shout out to them. I think they're a scary team moving forward, and hopefully they can continue to develop on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think they have a very similar potential future as the Texans if they keep doing things the right way. You know, they're in a they're in a very similar boat, I would say. Okay. And then moving on to the other game that happened uh today um on Sunday I should say. So the Bucks lost 23 to 31 to the Lions, a game that was probably a little closer than it should have been, but the Bucks definitely made it interesting and competitive. Mike Evans had an absolutely monster, monster game. game. But I have a question for you because the Bucks, you know, they look good. They felt like they kind of overachieved in the regular season and in the playoffs. Um, Baker Mayfield, I believe, signed just a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is Baker Mayfield the future at quarterback for the Bucks? Bro, I was going to ask you the exact same question. He had his best season. He did. I mean, going into this year, Baker Mayfield was on a prove-it-or-lose-it kind of contract, right? One year, $4 million base with some incentives in there. And I have no idea if he's done enough this season uh, for Tampa Bay to consider signing him onto a long-term deal. On one hand, he's probably, you know, a mid-level quarterback. You know, in that 20 to, to 15 range, maybe slightly higher if you want to put him there in terms of what he can bring, his talent, the ceiling you have as a team if he's your quarterback. On the other hand, who are you going to really go after if you're Tampa Bay, right? I don't – they don't – they're not going to have a high enough pick – uh, to really make any noise in the draft. And out of all the other quarterbacks that are out there available, Baker's, I'd rather have somebody that's at least played with my team before, you know? So I really do see them signing him this off season. I don't know for how long. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, four or five year deal. It's probably going to be another two three-year deal with a team option if it's if it's anything longer than three years is there's going to be some type of stipulation um, which kind of sucks because the team that's looking really stupid right now is cleveland oh yeah but baker mayfield man shout out to him he proved a lot of people wrong this year and you just love to see it because he's he was super easy to root against at least the media presented that it that way in Cleveland, you know, the whole Odell situation and it's all Baker's fault because he can't pass me the ball. Well, yeah. Mike Evans ain't whining about it. You Mike Evans I mean? had a fantastic season and a great so, game today. Honestly, if I'm Tampa Bay, I'd at least sign him on for another couple of years um, and try to build 
a better defensive unit and a better run game because they had no run game that existed at all uh, this year, really. So there's plenty of holes elsewhere on the roster that they should focus on before getting rid of Baker. Absolutely. So I have a similar opinion and take to you. In the short term, yes, Baker Mayfield is the the short-term future for the Bucks quarterback. Like you said, like in free agency, maybe if they had cap space, they could take a run at Kirk Cousins, but I don't really know if there's anyone else who would be actually better than Baker Mayfield. Um, and like you said, it's not like they have a top pick, but they have the thing to do that we talked about last week with the Packers, what the Packers have done over their franchise history to do now in Tampa Bay. They have the chance yep. to look for QB prospects, look at who they like as maybe a long-term future, even if they're not ready to play today, because you have someone who's ready to play today in Baker Mayfield, and you have a chance to maybe trade up for them if they follow you in the draft, draft them, and let that QB sit for two years, maybe three years, right? And until whenever you think he's ready and he can be behind Baker Mayfield, who is a competent quarterback, could help make your team get to the playoffs. Obviously, he proved he can win a playoff game. He didn't play bad in these playoffs. I mean, he played better than I thought he could, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, if not for some of the turnovers, I mean, he would have had a fantastic playoffs. Um, and like you said, so this team does need to upgrade the Bucs uh, more around their team. Their running game, I think, should be priority A this offseason. Um, White's a decent running back, so whether you just need to get another running back in the room, a better offensive line, because I know Baker got sacked a lot this year as well. Got to upgrade that for sure. And they also need to upgrade their pass defense. I think that was a big thing today is their pass depth really got exposed. One of their corners went out of the game, and the third string corner was just getting shots taken at him, and he just could not stop anyone. So definitely got to fix that pass defense um, and that run game. I just don't know what the ceiling is with Baker as the QB is the biggest thing. But you know you're a good, competent playoff team right now. There are holes you can still upgrade. And I'm looking to draft a QB for my future who can sit for a year or two behind Baker, you know, until he can come up and hopefully have a higher ceiling than Mayfield. Well, no, you hit it right on the head, man. If you can if if the right player falls to you or even gets close enough to where you can trade up for him, do it. Have him sit for a couple years and hopefully Baker Mayfield can be your Alex Smith, right? That's the the best case scenario for Tampa Bay. Um it's true. But again, there are tons of other areas in which Tampa Bay should look first before considering a quarterback change. So but yep, way to go to Baker, man. Agree way to go, that. Baker. Way to make Cleveland look stupid. Got some money I mean, this year for sure. He earned it. Way to it. go, Baker, man. Yeah. Um, any other any other thoughts on this game before we move on? Uh I mean Jamar Gibbs, man. Mm. I you know, I know Robinson was the player coming out of college that everyone loved. But Jamar Gibbs is making a case for himself. I had him. All year in fantasy, he was on my fantasy RB1. First half of the year, sucked. <laughs> Second half of the year, Detroit actually started using him. And I really think if Detroit is going to pull, I, we'll save it for that preview, I guess. But Jamar Gibbs is a special player, um, and he had himself a game. That man is super fast, super quick. Definitely something that stood out today. And then moving on to the final game of this weekend, uh, probably the closest game. I know Packers-Niners was close, but this game was really back and forth for a lot of the game. The Chiefs came into Buffalo and beat the Bills 27-24 to after the Bills kicker missed a game-tying mm. field goal attempt at the very end of the game. But it was ultimately a good game. Both offenses really ran the ball, which was kind of surprising. Like, they ran very well. What yeah. were your thoughts on this game? Let's just put it out there. This is the funnest, I don't know if you can call it a rivalry because it's so one-sided. But whenever the Bills and the Chiefs play, it's must-watch TV. Always. Ever since that 2020 uh, AFC Championship game when you had frickin', uh Gabe Davis basically have the game of his life to get his contract. 
But another heartbreaker, man, for Buffalo. They just can't get over this hump. You know, Kansas City is the great wall, and Buffalo just can't overcome it. Allen played like Superman today. He was their main engine of offense, 186 yards, one touchdown on the air, 12 carries, 72 yards, and two scores on the ground. He really carried everything for them. And Mahomes, you know, had – he didn't play bad at all. But I'm not used to Mahomes only throwing the ball 20, 23 times, right? 215, two touchdowns, didn't make a mistake. But honestly, you know, he didn't have to do much, which I was so surprised by because all season, the gripe about this Kansas City team was they don't have the playmakers. Well, Isaiah Pacheco had himself the game. 15 carries, 97 yards, a touchdown. I think he was the, the differentiator in this game. Uh, whether it's on the ground or out of the backfield. I know Kelsey scored twice uh, through the air, but Pacheco, young star in that backfield, and they didn't have him the first time these teams squared up. Uh, and he is going to be the determining factor of whether or not they can ultimately beat Buff Baltimore. I know we'll get to that later. Um, but my major takeaway and my question for you from this game was Stefan Diggs. Where was he? Where has he been? You know, he just seemed disinterested. Three receptions on eight targets for 21 yards. He was non-existent in this game. And honestly, ever since he had that pouting fest when they went on their losing streak, he's kind of disappeared, bro. You bring up a, a great, great point. Because I know I know the Bills kicker just absolutely choked. Yeah. That last field goal. He should have made that. Should have been that I think that was worse than the Packers one, honestly. But you know, here we are. But you know, even Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen threw an absolute bomb Dime in that game. Yeah. And Stefan Diggs had a chance to catch that ball. They probably would have scored a touchdown on that possession. And he just whiffed on the catch. He didn't get it at all. And not to mention, on the first play of the game, he fumbled the ball. And Dalton Kincaid had to save him by knocking it out so yep. Kansas City couldn't get it on their side of the field. That's uh, that's a big issue I have with some of the guys like Stephon Diggs and A.J. Brown is why are you being so pouty, dude? Like, they feel like if they're not getting the ball a certain amount of times or whatever it is, you know, everyone has the right, I believe, in pro sports especially to – you know, get mad about something here and there, right? Stuff happens, right? They're smart. They're good. They they have an understanding of what they can do, right? Like, people are going to get mad sometimes. Makes sense. But he, even in going back to his Minnesota days, he just it gets pouty and upset at these good QBs who give him the ball more than anyone else on the team. And, you know, his brother hopped on, his brother hopped on Twitter, you know, um, after one of the, their losses, I think maybe to Denver earlier this year on their losing streak, like you said, and was like, get that man out of here. We don't want him in Buffalo anymore. And at this point, it's just, what more does Stephon Diggs want? Like, is he really not much of a team player as a wide receiver? Like, I think it's kind of hard to be selfish as a wideout, but it kind of feels like, you know, he had that attitude this year. He's had that attitude in the past. And, you know, I think, like you said, he just didn't really show up the second half of the year. Maybe he was being a little pouty, but you know, I just, that's not something you like to see from a guy that's so talented like that. He really needed in this game. Cause like you said, Josh Allen was most of their offense, you know, cook was, was decent today, but like you need a guy like Diggs to step up in these moments. And he had mistakes, key mistakes, the fumble, the big drop pass. Like it's, it's just not a good look for him. The worst part is he just seemed disinterested. You could tell by his body language and the vibe that he was kind of just sending off while we were watching that game is, it's like, you know, I care, care less. That's the kind of the feel I got from him. Whereas in the past, when these two teams met up, Diggs was devastated, right, when they lost. I don't, I think, honestly, my my big question is, should Buffalo move on from him? Should they shop digs in the offseason? You know, it's almost I, gotten to that point for me. 
I think it depends, honestly, if you can get another big-time wide receiver back because I know you have Cook, who's emerging second-year player. He was really good at the running back spot. You have Dalton Kincaid, who was rookie, a good tight end, emerging at that spot. But what other wide receivers do they really have outside of Diggs? Because Gabe Davis, I think, is really overrated. He's not that great, to be honest. Um, he doesn't do much. He shows up occasionally on deep passes, but he's not consistent. Shakir is a good consistent guy for them, but he's kind of like a slot guy, and you need more than just that. They just don't really have any other wide receivers in that room for me to feel good about moving on from someone like that unless you can get another star wide receiver or wide receiver depth at that position. Um, I don't know. Were you thinking about moving on? Uh, from Stefan Diggs, if you're the Bills? Depends on what the market is. If you can get a number one, if you could get a first-round pick from the right team, I'd say so. I mean, because this upcoming draft class is stacked at the wide receiver position. Um, and he's set to make basically $20 million a year for the next three years. So he is a big cap hit as well, where that money could be spent elsewhere, uh, whether it's another wide receiver or revamping that defense you know but at the end of the day i just don't like his attitude if i'm buffalo this whole season after week five he just seemed to be checked out i don't know what it is with the receivers Devonte adams over here pouting aj brown pouting jamar chase saying i'm always an open you know what i mean <laughs> so oh yeah wide receivers are divas and the can the uh if you're complaining about having probably the second best quarterback in football on your team, you know what I mean? What else do you want? I mean, come on, bro. I I was severely disappointed with Diggs in this game. He was a no-show. He didn't seem to care at all. And if you have a player like that on your team and he's supposed to be your best playmaker outside of Josh Allen, but you know what I mean, the wide receiver one, what kind of precedent does that set for the rest of the team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very poor leadership, and he's been known. Like I said, he's had these like good years and good seasons of great leadership and competitiveness. But then he's also had these years where he is just kind of like a, a diva, as you mentioned. And I mean, for the Bills, because they got off to that slow start, then they caught fire, came up short again against the Chiefs. If they're not going to move on from Bills or from Diggs, because that could be kind of difficult this year for them, um, what what's next for the Bills? What else can they do? Is do they need to make coaching changes? I mean, they were better after they got their new offensive coordinator. Like he's just an interim. I mean, maybe they keep him around. Is there any other roster moves they can make to improve this team? I I really don't know. I I don't have the answer if I if I'm Buffalo because this game you felt like you had the chance there. They converted on fourth and three. They got within field goal range. Okay, we're going to kick a field goal. It's probably going to go into overtime, and then we'll see what happens from there. But they just can't get over this hump. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, Kansas City, Travis Kelsey's not getting any older or not getting any younger. You know, Andy Reid's getting up there in age. So I don't know, man. This, this Kansas City team's got their number, and I have no idea what they need to do specifically because in every time they play it's it comes down to the final possession it comes down to one or two plays right and both sides kind of made mistakes the missed field goal um by bass the gimme mm -hmm. how gross was that so far right but nicole hardman fumbled the ball on the one yard line and the game would have been yeah. over if he got in there after and then the Bills went after for the it Bills on went fourth and down, on fourth and five from their own thirty, right? So yeah. there were mistakes made on both sides, uh, but at the end of the day, this is just another tough loss for Buffalo, and I really don't know what they need to do to beat Kansas City in a playoff game. I will say the most encouraging part about this playoff run for Buffalo, for me, was Josh Allen, because he showed he is capable of not turning it over and not forcing things, but still being everything for this team. Yeah. He was able to find that balance, and that was very encouraging for me, right? He wasn't the reason why they lost. It was no. not Josh Allen's fault. He's the only reason they were in the game. Exactly. So I think that's a very encouraging thing for me. 
Uh, I feel really good about Josh Allen, especially if he can keep up. You know, this he's still going to have turnovers, yes, but if he can limit those mistakes like he has, and that's a great sign, a great thing. Um, and you're always going to have a chance if he's your quarterback. I know he hasn't won. I know he hasn't necessarily he hasn't gone to the Super Bowl or anything, but he's one of those guys. He gives you a chance, and unlike a a Josh Allen, he does have that it factor. He does have that comp- or that competitiveness. Um, not Josh Allen, just a shot at Herbert. He has that competitiveness, that it factor that can push you over the edge. Even though this Bills team has not been able to do it on the hump that is specifically the Kansas City Chiefs. If they were to face anyone else. You know, yeah. things might have been different, but hasn't been that way so far. Tough. For sure. Anyways, that is it for the game recaps from this weekend. And moving on to the future, we have two great conference championship games. We're going to start with going over the 49ers and the Lions. What are your early thoughts on this matchup? Well, I mean, this pick isn't going to surprise anyone because if it's one if there are two things that have been consistent with all year it's one san francisco should win the super bowl okay that's what i've been saying since week one pretty much and two i doubt the lions i doubt the lions i always pick against them okay so i'm going with the niners in this matchup i just think that they have too much for the lions defense to handle this is a unit in which the Lions have not faced in the postseason this far. Uh, and they also have a defense that can at least contain the Lions. I'm not going to say that they're going to shut them out or that they're going to keep them under 17 points, but they're going to make enough plays to where the pressure is really going to be on Goff to, to beat San Francisco. And I think that, the, I believe that that matchup favors San Francisco greatly. So I, I'm going with the Niners. I think they'll win by four plus in a competitive game. Um, but if the Niners come out like they did against Green Bay, they'll probably lose. So they need to really shake off the rust and come ready for a heavyweight matchup because this is going to be fun. Yeah, I think this is the week that the Lions' defense finally lets them down, specifically the pass defense. The Niners have Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey, and maybe Debo Samuel, shoulder injury, so to be determined. But they have all those guys to pass the ball to. Um, With the Lions, you know, 27th in the pass regular season, gave up a lot of yards to Baker Mayfield and Evans this last game. Uh, That was definitely, like, a spot you've noticed the weakness that the Bucks were going at. Um, and you know, for that reason, I'm going with the Niners to win this game. The Lions should be able to pass the ball still, right? They're still a really good offense. But honestly, outside of the pass defense for the Lions, like the, the teams are pretty evenly matched really across the board for the most part. It's just that pass defense is such a, sore spot for the lions that I think it's really going to do them in for this game. Yeah. I expect a big game out of Kittle and McCaffrey receiving wise, um, as well as a little bit of Iuke there. There's just, just so many weapons that Purdy can go to. And that's why I've been saying all year that the Niners should win the super bowl there. And this is just one game away. Uh, the, Big area of concern for me is going to be the containment of Jamar Gibbs and Amon St. Brown uh, because the Niners have let teams pass on them, let teams score on them, even though that their personnel with Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, you know, they should be playing a little bit better than they actually are on the defensive side of the ball. So they really need to hone in on those two playmakers, Sam Laporta. So this this should be kind of a shootout, right? But I can't go against my my original pick. Yeah. You know, I also originally, at least this playoff preview, I picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl. I still believe that to be true. But the Lions, you know, they definitely have something to them for sure. 
lot of energy behind that organization, but like, man, I just, I really don't think they have the secondary to contain all those weapons. So that, that really made it a lot easier for me to make this uh, decision. If you are the Lions and you're heading into this game prepping for, and you're, you're the defensive side of the ball. Schematically, what do you do to get Purdy off of his edge? Do you rush? Do you bring three and and load the secondary? What do you do? Do you bring pressure more? What's what yeah. are you thinking? I'm thinking you need to rattle Brock Purdy. Look at the Baltimore Ravens tape against San Francisco, and I would try my best to replicate that. I know they don't have the secondary Baltimore has, but I'm blitzing him. I'm going at him. I'm making sure he gets hit multiple times, making sure I get QB pressures on him. That's really my best bet. I don't think you can just sit back with the secondary and give him time to throw the ball with the amount of weapons. Someone's bound to get open. I think you have to make him make quick and fast decisions and know in his head that he's going to get hit. He's going to get blitzed. That's the that's the thing I would do if I were the Lions to give myself the best chance against this offense. See, I'm leaning more the other way, and I'll tell you why. Kyle Shanahan's offense is all about quick, first read, get it out quick, and let the playmakers do the rest. If you can take away that first read, right, which is mostly to Christian McCaffrey, then I think you have a chance to make Purdy make a mistake. Right. You, I think you also need to be aware of the run game, obviously. But their run defense has been really good this year. I do think you need to stack the box a little bit and make Purdy beat you. Uh, I think he can, but your best shot if you're the Lions defensively is taking away Purdy's first option with enough coverage and then making him making him go through his reads. Because I think... That's just the offense is designed for the first option to be the, the quick and easy read, get it out, and let your playmakers go. But honestly, it's a tall task for any team because they just there are four number one options on this team, man. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, you know, Depot Samuel if he plays, Brandon Ayuk is not he's a bubble number one anywhere else, right? George Kittle's a top three tight end in the league and Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league. So this team is stacked, but I would say make them beat you going at you with your strong suit on offense, which is the run game. So, yeah, my only problem with that is just the fact that they have so many playmakers against an already weak secondary that you might just be able to give guys a chance to get open. Um, just over time and I know what Baltimore did worked and you know I just do my best to replicate that but also I think worth mentioning is that if Debo Samuel doesn't play for whatever reason whenever someone's out for the Niners their offense just looks completely different doesn't flow so, as much it's yeah true. so that 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 might be something to keep an eye on just the fact that they just have this one guy I mean very important to their team don't get me wrong but just one guy out on a stacked offense like this might affect them more than people are thinking, and I don't think we should look past that. No. This is going to be a heavyweight matchup. Yes, no doubt. And speaking of heavyweight matchups, I think this game, this next game is going to be insanely close. Um, the Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs in Baltimore. Um this, you know, Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson, the winner versus the guy who's trying to be honest, come up and start winning, get to that same level. What are your initial thoughts on this game? This is another one of those. I've been saying it for a while. Uh, I said since week three that Baltimore should be the favorite in the AFC. They locked up the one seed. They're in the AFC title game. And of course, it's against Patrick Mahomes, right? I really hate picking against Mahomes. It's so hard to do. He's Michael Jordan of their sport, right? I mean, all he does is win pretty much. And he's got the defense to back him up. So I flipped a coin before this podcast, and the coin said Baltimore. So I'm going with Baltimore. 
Honestly, okay. I that that's as simple as that, dude. Both have elite defenses, both have special quarterbacks, and they play very different styles of football on the offensive side of the ball. The number one rush offense in the league, bar none, and the team that passes the ball the most. The team that almost doesn't run the ball ever. Uh, now, the bright spot is Pacheco's coming off a monster game against the Bills. The Bills aren't the Baltimore Ravens' defense. So, uh, all in all, I think Kansas City's offense won't be able to handle the looks that Baltimore throw at them, whereas Baltimore's offense will have a better time against Kansas City's defense, even though Kansas City's defense is in the elite unit as well. Yeah. Um, for me... The biggest weakness for Kansas City is the biggest strength for Baltimore. Uh, Kansas City with the 18th uh, rush defense. And I know T- Tony Romo today kept bringing up the point that they give, give up the most yards per carry to running backs in the league this year. The Chiefs, um, Casey struggled to stop the run versus the Bills today. Um, yeah. And that's the Ravens' number one strength. Um, I think the Ravens will be extremely hard to stop. And on the other side of the ball, I think the Ravens' defense is better than the Bills' defense. Might not as force as many turnovers, but they don't give up as many points either. And, you know, I'm going with the Ravens to win a close game. I doubt Patrick Mahomes gets blown out. He's just too good. Um, you know, you we saw what happened today, and like you mentioned, he didn't have to do that much for them to win. He didn't have to be Superman at all at any point. Um, I, and... That's the other thing. I still don't believe in the Kansas City offense overall. Today was probably the best they had looked all season, in my opinion, on offense. And can they replicate that? That's to be determined. I'm not I'm not totally sure. You know, Kelsey might have had his best game of the season today. And um, you know, maybe he'll keep doing that, keep showing up in his big moments, but I'm still a little skeptical of that side of the ball outside of Patrick Mahomes, really. Uh, but yeah, I got the Ravens in a close one. I just think that rush offense is going to be overwhelming for Kansas City, especially after seeing what the Bills were able to do to them today. Yeah, man. But Baltimore's just a different breed this year. Uh, I know that they've locked up the one seed. Lamar's won an MVP, you know. Very similar to that 2019 feel. Only I feel like this is the year Lamar finally gets the monkey off his back. He takes this team to a Super Bowl. Uh, and that defense, man, is something else. It really has been the unit that has consistently performed week in and week out. Uh, whereas Kansas City, this is where the lack of playmaking and the wide receiver unit, uh, the lack of trust in the run game is going to come back to bite them offensively. So I don't think Baltimore is going to have to score more than 23 points, 20, 23 points to win this game. I do think Kansas City will struggle offensively. Uh, and I don't think Baltimore will have that hard of an issue running the ball, controlling the, the time of possession. So... Got to go with the better team here, even though they're playing against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the biggest thing. This game feels like, you know, Baltimore definitely feels like one of the top two best teams in terms of talent on their roster, and they're going against the best player in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes has been that and is still currently that, um, the best player in the NFL. So, like you mentioned, I think the rush will also be very important if Kansas City wants to have a chance to win this game. They're going to have to run very similarly to what they did today because otherwise, if they're just going to go away from the run and start passing the ball, take away Kelsey, maybe Rice gets some catches, but besides that, who's really going to hurt them? I think it could end up being the biggest issue for this team, so they definitely need to make running the ball with Pacheco a priority early to give themselves a shot to win this game. Control the yeah. clock a little bit for themselves. 100% factual right there because they're going to make Kansas City run the ball. They're going to force Kansas City to do what they don't do, which is run the ball. Even though every time they do, it's it's an explosive play. Pacheco is a very capable running back. They just, you know, and 
why do you blame him? You have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You want the ball in his hands as much as possible. But Baltimore is going to scheme against the pass heavily in this game, and they're going to say, all right, beat us how you've never beat anybody else before in these situations. So, Yeah, it's a great point. Um, let's see. Anything else on this game uh, before we you know, get to watch it next week and see who's in the Super Bowl? No, super exciting weekend. Um, outside of the analytical standpoint, who would you want to win these games? I 100% want the Baltimore Ravens to win this game. Okay. I, I like Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm going for Lamar. I think he's been way, way too disrespected, like in all honesty. He he deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten, and I can tell he really wants it. And on the other side, I definitely I think it would be more fun to see the Lions win. They've sucked for so long, and that's a fun team, a fun culture. They're really easy to get behind and like. They definitely seem like they're really together. Um, so th- seeing a, a Ravens-Lions uh, Super Bowl would be super, super fun, I think, and would lead to a lot of points being scored. I agree. I think that's the matchup that I would love to watch as a unbiased fan because none of my, my team's not in it, any of these matchups. Um, the Lions being a poverty franchise and Lamar finally getting the monkey off his back would be the storyline that I would like to see going into the Super Bowl. Um, I think the best matchup, though, is what we're going to end up getting, the Niners versus Baltimore. So, Yeah, I think those are the two top teams, and they've kind of it's kind of been looking that way for, you know, maybe the last the last quarter of the regular season to now, maybe a little bit longer than that. These two teams that definitely look like the top two teams in the NFL. It would probably be the best matchup um, in terms of the best teams that show up in the Super Bowl, but that also doesn't necessarily mean like the most fun, the best storylines, the most entertainment, because if these two teams do match up, they're both great defenses. And, you know, there's a possibility we get like a 20 to 17 Super Bowl final if it's the Niners versus the Ravens. I wouldn't be that surprised. It's true. So exciting championship weekend. No doubt. Um, Thanks, everyone, who decided to tune in and listen today. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate us if you like what you hear. And if you want to check out our YouTube Second Take, uh, subscribe, like our videos, comment on our stuff, whether you agree or disagree with us. It only helps out the channel. And thanks again to everyone who decided to tune in and listen. We'll catch you next time.